Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. He kōnai e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Three, two, one. Oh. Ow. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Hair and loathing. Big off. Oh, my gosh. Just like the body hair that you shave, it comes back and so do I. I'm Charlotte Cook, your pursuit host of Hair and Loathing. And yes, I'm still talking about body hair, but more specifically how it gets in your head rather than on it when it comes to sex and body image. In this episode, I speak to some women who are embracing feminists' hairy legs long before the 60s, others who've made a buck from their bush, and I'll also look at how your upbringing shapes your body image. We don't think of women having butt hair, do we, really? No. He was like, oh yeah, you probably should sort that out. I burnt my mutti quite badly. I felt so self-conscious. I don't feel like I need to depilate every inch of my body to be attractive. While there's lots that's funny about this topic, and it can be easy to joke about, I get it. It's a first world problem. But I still find it hard to talk about. It's deeply personal and scary to share your intimate insecurities with the world. For a long time, I've felt silenced by it. A shameful little secret. But the more people I talk to, the more I find who feel the same as me, or who are working to break down the taboo. Even if you're not ready to embrace the hair, tell your friends and partners and families about your dirty little removal secrets. Scientists say there was once a thick layer of hair across all bodies. But natural selection got rid of the furriest ones because they were more likely to catch lice and other parasite nasties. They believe people began to perceive nearly hairless bodies as more sexually attractive and as a good potential mate because they had healthy, parasite-free skin. There might be fewer parasites floating around now, but the idea is still the same. Hairless women are sexy. What did I shave? My, um, my armpits. Because my mother felt this was ladylike. Now nature has decided I won't have anybody here except my chin. And it's now decided <laughs> to grow there. I tried once to shave my legs and had so many cuts and, you know, bloody things running all over the place that I decided I'd never do it again. Meet 78-year-old Steffi and 84-year-old Joan, residents at a Wellington retirement village. I'm just calling them by their first names, because for the circles they move in, discussing furry bits is still very much taboo. But they were ready to talk all things hairy. Most women now would do some level of hair removal on their mm. private parts. Really? They wax, don't they? They do. Regularly. 
That, that really surprises me because I was 14 when I had my appendix out and I had a pubic shave mm-hmm. for everybody. And I would never, ever do it again. All little cuts and things, and it was quite shocking. But that's not the hair story that traumatises her most. When I was a child, my mother had a friend who we used to go stay with and her mother and father's house and the older person had a full moustache and a bit of a beard and she was a hugger. Mm -hmm. And as a child, I used to be almost terrified to be near her because it prickled and hurt. Mm -hmm. And I was determined that I would never, ever. So that's the one little thing I still do. Every evening I sit there with the tweezers. (laughs) And half the time I'm tweezing my skin (laughs) Because I can't see. (laughs) That's a secret now, you know. The removal of body hair has often been connected with hygiene. While getting rid of it doesn't actually make you cleaner down there, Steffi remembers it was common to remove it when she was a nurse in the 60s. Women came in in labour and the poor things, they had a full pubic shave done by the yeah. staff, that, and it had an enema and a full pubic shave. They were in labour at the time, That's, mm-hmm. that was the 60s. Again, it was a sense of not being hygienic and being mm-hmm. somehow not quite okay, yeah. it seemed to me. It's that back to that age-old thing where women are not clean at certain mm. times of the month, that women are slightly less, you know, it's all right for men, but it's not all right for a woman. Mm. I think that had a lot to do with it. Steffi and Joan have only ever done minimal hair removal in their lives, but that hasn't caused any problems when it comes to getting down to the nutty. Body hair and intimacy kind of go hand in hand. They do. I have never had a problem. (laughs) You've always felt comfortable with the full bush? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, apart from the little bikini bit, yeah. And I've never done anything like that. So, yeah, no, it's never been a problem. Nobody has ever said anything. Never even entered my head, come to think of it. Mm, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I did ask a male friend, and he was just a friend, about five or six years ago how he felt about young women who are actually well past puberty but yeah. appearing to be pre-pubertal. He said it so men didn't get hair between their teeth. <laughs> While an involuntary floss is never usually the desired outcome, for some people, a hairy beaver is part of the brand. The Prostitutes Collective Community Liaison Officer Sherida has seen various types of modification. As a beauty therapist, it was in the year 2001, we started doing Brazilian, uh, or full Hollywood wax as we called them, it was in London at the time. And I'd never done them before in New Zealand, and then it was a Saudi Arabian princess, actually, who came in for a bikini wax, and when she wanted it all off, and I said, I've never done it before, and she just talked me through it bit by bit, because that was uh, her common, normal, you know, way of being. I got a bit of a business going for doing red love heart pubic hair waxes where we would bleach the hair and dye it bright red and put it in a love heart shape. And I did also do a blue lightning bolt once as well. And it took quite some time, it was quite painful because you have to pluck it so that you get the sharp shape. Mm. My fingernails and my pubic hair, you know, like I pull out the... um, the scissors <laughs> both get a trim 
This is Dame Catherine Healy. She's a founding member of the Prostitutes Collective and a former sex worker. In my generation of being sex workers, we used to put out the welcome mat. (laughs) I mean, of course, it was more covert. We couldn't be as explicit as sex workers can today. And But sometimes I know clients would inch towards the reception desk and whisper that they wanted the bushy one. I suspect it would be really rare now to find a sex worker who had pubic hair at all. Yet in my day of being a sex worker, mid to late 80s, early 90s, it would have been really rare, quite freaky actually, to find anyone without pubic hair. I think it was a little bit disconcerting when the Brazilian came in at first because it equated with reverting to childhood or something and Mm. so there was a creepy kind of connotation associated with it. Let's see what our expert in body hair psychology Virginia Brown has to say about that. Some people who have analysed it would simply say that it reflects a kind of infantilisation of women's bodies. I think it's problematic for those reasons but in my kind of analytic work it doesn't feel like that's the primary thing that's going on. There's so many layers of constructing bodies that aren't connected to kind of childlessness, so sexual desirability, ideas about cleanliness and hygiene, and, you know, we can't disentangle that from the kind of historical constructions of genitalia, you know, the vulva is dirty and disgusting and needing to constantly be managed and modified. As we discussed earlier, ads have for years told us that body hair on women is not okay. One from the 1930s labelled a woman as unloved as she sat alone at a table because of her moustache. How embarrassing. But as a single woman who constantly has to shave her upper lip, it's hard not to develop a negative body image and feel like you'll be forever alone. When it comes to dating and getting my kit off... Body hair plays a huge part. On the odd occasion, I do find myself with a man who wants to get down and dirty. My inner monologue always wants to join in the fun. If I lay like this, what if I put my hand? Maybe he won't see that. That looks natural, right? No. Do I look like I'm hiding something? No. I'm sexy. Is it obvious if I turn off the lights? I'm sexy? I'm sexy. Oh, no. I can feel a prickle. Is he going to feel that prickle? Oh my God, shut up, Charlotte. Because I have such negative thoughts about the way I look, it's hard to imagine that someone else wouldn't think so too. None of my ex-boyfriends have ever said anything. But maybe that's because I never really let them know I was hairy. Victorian art critic John Ruskin is rumoured to have been unable to consummate his marriage to Effie Gray because he was so surprised and disgusted by his new bride's pubic hair. After six years of putting her off with excuses, the frustrated virgin was finally told why he wouldn't do the deed. In a letter, she said, Finally, this last year, he told me his true reason, and this, to me, is as villainous as all the rest, that he had imagined women were quite different to what he saw I was, 
and that the reason he did not make me his wife is that he was disgusted with my person the first evening. Historians have interpreted his revulsion differently, but the most fascinating theory is by Mary Lutchins, who said the art critic would have never seen a hairy woman in classical paintings and sculptures. And, well, the fuzz put him off. The Encyclopedia of Hair tells me in Middle Eastern countries and some African tribes, it was customary for brides to remove all of their body hair except for their eyebrows the night before the ceremony. One legend even says African beauty, the Queen of Sheba, was getting shit from men for her hairy legs. Just like the Queen of Sheba, my legs have also drawn some attention. The hairs are not soft and fluffy, but sparse, thick, black and long, kind of pube-like. So I decided to take to them with quite possibly the slowest and most painful method from the 80s, to rip it from the root. The Effa Lady, an electric coil designed to inflict terrible, terrible pain on women. It started off like this. I'm ready. So I tracked down the Effie Lady Ultra. I've got a V8 model. Oh my god. And it's got levels. Are you ready? One, two, three. Actually, sounds frightening. I gave up very shortly after that and realised why neither of the women I borrowed them off weren't in a great rush to get them back. Because that wasn't personal and intimate enough, I decided to push the boat out further. We are both possibly a little bit nervous and not wanting to admit to each other that we're a bit nervous, so we've poured a shot of something that Mum calls... Truth serum. All right, and that sounds perfect. Cheers. Yep, that's my mum. She responds quite well to that name, otherwise she's known as Michelle Callum. I have quite a lot of hair on my chin and probably from about 18 I kept finding dark stray hairs and so started plucking. I worked out that 32,000 hours of plucking I have done in my lifetime, equivalent to about half a year of my life I've spent with tweezers just plucking my face. That doesn't even equate to all the stuff around like the wrist. Like below your neck. Yeah. <laughs> so like, is that an hour a morning? What do you do? About 20 minutes a morning, which is quite a lot to add to your morning routine. And it does become a little bit obsessive. Probably don't need to do it for 20. But sometimes they're just hard to get out. <laughs> the obsession seems to be a family thing. My late nanny, mum's mum, was actually buried with a pair of tweezers. So is it any surprise to you I'm making a full podcast about body hair? When my mum was a teenager, she moved from England to Australia. All your body was on show, so like it, it didn't stop at doing your legs. You were then having to do your underarms, and I had lots of hair on my arms, so um, I couldn't quite come to the grips with shaving there, so I used to bleach those. And then everyone wore bikinis, and I wore, was wearing a one-piece, because I obviously have body hair on my tummy. 
that's not an obvious thing for everyone. Like no. lots of people don't have hair on their don't have hair on their stomachs like you and I. It's kind of like a thin down version of your pubic hair kind of thing, but it kind of runs up like thicker up to your belly button and then kind of spreads across over your tummy. Like mum, I feel a deep sense of ugh when I look down at myself and see my hairy tummy. It's the thing that upsets me most. I spent thousands of dollars getting laser hair removal, but it didn't work. Something as simple as some hair has stopped me from swimming, if my pubes were escaping my tog bottoms, changed the way I dress, crop tops are a no-no, and even prevented me from getting intimate if I wasn't maintained. And if the subject matter isn't enough to feel a bit squeamish, I asked my mother about her sex life. For me, to have an intimate occasion with someone, it's very rarely not planned because I have to maintain myself, which is quite a big job, as it is if I want to go swimming or go to the beach. You know, you I mean, when you're already spending 20 minutes plucking your bloody face, <laughs> you're looking at a couple of hours here. Well, it's a big job. It's a big job. And if you let it go, it then becomes... A much bigger job. A much bigger job and takes many hours. Nair cream is terrible stuff to use on your garden, private parts. Nair is a hair removal cream, which you put on the skin and it kind of dissolves the hair. So I was having a planned evening with a gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I'm being so sedate. (laughs) So I thought, okay, so tomorrow night's the night. And so after trimming my garden with scissors, I then got the nair out to try and do sort of the the bits that escape down sort of your legs. It kind of got onto my vagina and obviously it burnt. So I'd left it on for too long and it had got into the creases of like of my legs and it had burnt it was so painful, so I'm throwing myself in the shower, cold water all over myself, trying to get it off, and it's it's just a hideous thing to do. You burnt your mutti. Yes, I burnt my mutti quite badly, and spent the whole of that evening getting up and down with cold flannels to try and alleviate the pain of the burn on the skin. goes without saying, there was no fun the next night, because... It was far too sore. (laughs) While I haven't given myself chemical burns, I've definitely ripped the skin from my moustache and occasionally ended up with an accidental labiaplasty. And like mother, like daughter. I've always had a fickle relationship with my body. In my eyes, it's never been good enough and my body hair has always felt like something that makes me less. I wish we'd both been more comfortable in our skins because it's important to challenge the norms. I guess in the same way that that Nanny gave you your sort of impressions around society and and hairiness and hairlessness, was it a thing that you thought about for me? Like that whatever you taught me would be probably how I looked at myself? No, I don't think I thought. and Which is kind of a bit of a shame, really, that I hadn't thought about what I would say to you would have an impact on how you felt about yourself because I had obviously such strong feelings about myself being hairy and that it didn't feel 
right that I probably felt sorry for you rather than that you had in- inherited that gene from me and why couldn't you be like your dad and be not hairy sort of thing. Your views of yourself probably shaped how I view yes. myself as Absolutely. a hairy person. Yeah. But that's just kind of like a societal thing. Yeah, I just felt so... I think it's been something that's traumatised me most of my life because I don't fit into what I would call the norm of being a woman. It doesn't feel feminine to have so much body hair. When I asked you if you wanted to be a part of this podcast, what were your initial thoughts? Kind of went, oh God, I wanted to talk to you about it. Probably the most thing was being nervous about actually being interviewed. Yeah. But the thing that overcame that was the fact that I think that we should talk about it. It's it's so taboo that most of my girlfriends, unless they're my absolute closest girlfriends, and probably partners that I've had, do not know what I go through and how much it has shaped, you know, my day-to-day life. And so I think it's time that we talk. I do think it's time. And that I've learned that from you, that we need to talk about things, which has been great to have you as a daughter because you've taught me that, you know, just because it's always been that way doesn't mean that we have to keep keep it up. Classically in Iran, I'm not sure that being hairy or having it, at least as having a monobrow was looked at as a negative thing. It was a sign of beauty. Marva Enoka is a journalist of Persian descent. She grew up in New Zealand. But here, the love for body hair and monobrows is not the same. Iranians are especially the men, are famously hairy. And the women too, there's lots of classical paintings of Iranian women with um, pretty stunning monobrows. And in fact, apparently they used to sort of fill in the gaps between both of their eyebrows if they didn't have a monobrow to really accentuate that one brow look. My earliest memory of realising I was hairy was when I was in primary school, there was a boy. I like. It's funny because I would have been so young, I would have been like... I don't know, like in the lady years of primary school, so maybe like seven or eight, but I remember his name, like first and second, and I would call him out. In fact, many years later, he added me on Facebook and his friend request still sits there unaccepted. <laughs> and I'm like, you're that mean boy at primary school. Who's you're the one it. that told me I was hairy. Yeah, so he used to make fun of me for having a moustache. So I was a young girl with really pale skin and just like a little black bit of fur on my top lip and it was devastating like I was really embarrassed I remember going home and crying and saying to mum like um you know they're making fun of me because I have a (laughs) moustache I remember mum used to I used to lie there and mum used to pluck out each of my individual moustache hairs when I was maybe like I don't know seven or eight years old like me Marva has hair everywhere and it was such a problem she once pledged abstinence it was always difficult in relationships because it, I felt so self-conscious about it. And I remember being 12 or 13 and just deciding that I'd never have like an intimate relationship with anyone because I didn't want them to see my hairy body, you know? And so I was like, well, I guess it's not for me then. Yeah. No inti- intimacy for me forever, you know? Just near my hair. Just near my hair, hanging out, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think you grow a bit older and you realise, honestly, guys don't really care. <laughs> But it turns out our personal preferences to be hairless don't correlate when it comes to romantic endeavours. The worst is if the boy you're seeing is less hairy than you. Oh, it's just like... It's, some, it's, it's deeply... 
troubling. <laughs> it's so troubling, eh? It's really And stupid. I want to, like, get mad at myself for finding it so troubling, but we're so conditioned to be, like, hairlessness, hairlessness, I hairlessness. Know. I don't know what it is about hairlessness that is um, meant to be beautiful. Interestingly, a really hairless man, like a man who has... It's just a no-go for me. It make, I'm like, oh, it's like weirdly too feminine, right? Which is a terrible, I just realized this now as I was saying it. I was like, why does it bother me so much? Again, it's like I'm conditioned to think that like men have hair. Body hair is masculine. And so if a man doesn't have body hair, he's not masculine. If a woman does, she's masculine. Yeah. And that's a terrible association um, to make. And it's not true. I think because I grew up in the 90s and I'm now in my 30s I feel like I'm one of those people that's so entrenched that I'm like well I just gotta take the hair off it's easier than trying to challenge my own thoughts yeah. <laughs> you'll hear more from Marva in a later episode I guess it's scary I've spent years whipping off my body hair accepting it as the only way I'll be accepted but that's not true And now I'm trying to love myself and the hair that grows on it. Although growing slightly less of it might be nice. Next time on Hair and Loathing, I find out why some people grow more than others and what can be done to keep the fur at bay. You've been listening to Hair and Loathing with me, Charlotte Cook. This is a Tahi podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, iHeart or wherever you usually get them. Alternatively, head to the RNZ podcast and series page. Hair and Loathing is made by me, Charlotte Cook. The executive producer is Sonia Yee, and William Saunders is the sound engineer. Kakite. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.